This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Being is not something to strive for. It is right now in you and is waiting to come out. Valeria Tullis interviews Ronnie Hatchwell, the author of Be and It Will Be, The Simple and Easy Way to Find Peace Within. Ronnie was born in Israel, grew up in Rhodesia, present-day Zimbabwe, until nine years old, and then London until she was 21. She has now been living in Israel for over 40 years. Ronnie has two children, one in Israel and another in New York, and is a proud grandmother to four wonderful young grandchildren. Ronnie has spent to date 30 years in the local music industry and worked in management, culminating to CEO of EMI Music Publishing Israel, ending in 2007. Ronnie now dedicates her life to the teachings of her method Be and It Will Be and travels around the globe offering workshops that guide people to live in inner peace, enabling them to their own journey. Ronnie holds private sessions, group workshops, and during these corona times, has many students she Zooms with to teach her method. She also offers workshops within the entertainment field, where she guides artists, writers, and actors to accept themselves and release the past in order to achieve success. Her three-stage workshop drives students to a new and clear slate where there are no ties to the past and all that is left is a meeting place between him, herself, and his slash her gifts. Ronnie's passion for bringing peace to the world led her to work as head of industry relations at Creative Community for Peace, an organization that advocates building bridges through the world of art and music, and she also holds this current position. We believe that the only chance left for there to be real peace is dialogue and building trust between people. Ronnie Hatchwell, Creative Community for Peace. Meet Ronnie at beanditwillbe.com. Here's the interview with Ronnie Hatchwell. In your own words, who is Ronnie Hatchwell? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) What? I don't know. I feel that I'm in discovery every single day. You know, very recently I found a picture and I was told that that was me at three years old. And I don't know who that little girl is. I'm told it was me. But I realized that I am born every time. I'm being born right now speaking to you. So I'm discovering the way I feel about me meeting you for the first time. Uh, and that's the excitement. Because if I drag the, the old Ronnie with me from yesterday, I don't get the new opportunity. So my answer would be that I never know. <laughs> I'm always in discovery. I can tell you what the personality has done in her life and so on, but um, I really don't know. I'm forever changing. I'm forever allowing. And I think that that's the blessing that I've, I've earned over the years. Um, I've always felt that I was like the outsider looking in. I have many friends. I've always had friends. Um, but there was always a side of me that felt that there were certain things I wouldn't speak to uh, to my friends about because we, we, they didn't get it always, you know. So I, I always thought that that was something I'd keep to myself. So if I'm asking, if you're asking who I am, I could say today that basically most of the time I'm the vessel. Sometimes when the ego sneaks in, I can get very down to earth. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but I'm basically me experiencing me and I never know what it's going to be. I wonder a lot of times, and since I was very little, why some of us don't get it, as you say it, why some of us are not in touch with uh, who we are, this ever-changing force, energy, space. So, yeah, I wonder why, Ronnie. Well, um, we're contending with a duality that lives with us simultaneously. We've got the ego mind, and they're very good friends. And the ego always wants what it doesn't have. And then there's the spirit, and the spirit is of God. And it doesn't need anything, but you know, because it's forever. It, it goes on forever, and it's only observing. But the spirit has an impulse. It knows our journey. It knows our journey a second before we do. So the, the second before I've said a word, the spirit knew I was going to say the word. So I'm only discovering what the spirit already knows. With the ego, the ego is pulling back, and the... Um, and the spirit tries to push us forward because, you know, otherwise we'd be we'd remain babe, screaming babies and we wouldn't <laughs> progress. Uh, but I think everybody, when I teach, I say to the students that there is nothing I'm going to teach them that they don't have at source. The only thing we're going to do is we're going to lift the layers away so that they can get to what they already know. And... Um, so if we're talking about that space, I think a lot of people are afraid to lose the ego because they have the illusion that the ego gives them some sort of uh, stability or, or, or knowing something, you know, because the ego is always in the past. So the grown up is always meeting himself for the first time, but it's reactive because the little child inside is the past that is actually the reactive. So I'm saying that the grown-up never really gets to the place, unless it's clean, gets to the place that he's able to see himself in the moment. So if I'm reacting, it's the past. If I have a thought, it's the past. And the mind will try to persuade us that it knows the future. And it will use words like probabilities and possibilities and statistics. But at the end of the day, it's a lie because it cannot know something that hasn't happened yet. So what I do is I walk around saying, no, not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> uh, because I, uh -huh. I, it's about the issue. It's about the whole mind. Because if the mind thinks that, oh, I've won with the issue, then it's going to bring me another issue. <laughs> And that's a never-ending, yes, cycle. So I don't think that, I think everybody does have it. I think people are scared to find it mm, because they're yeah. so used to want to having that false confidence that the ego gives it, gives, gives people. Mm. I think that's where the problem is. That resonates true because, yeah, letting go of something, of anything, it's not an easy process, right? Mm -hmm. Surrender, yeah. Only surrender. There's nothing else. <laughs> True. Uh, when you talk about you as this ever-changing being, a force, how did the awareness of that begin? I have to say it was very difficult, but I was also lucky because things happened to me. I didn't have to go to the discovery st stage. When I was seven, uh, we lived in the t at the time in Africa in a place called Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe, till I was nine. And when I was seven, I drowned and I lost consciousness. I went out of my body. So while uh, efforts were going on to take me out of the water and, and pump the water out of me, and I could see my father jumping in and taking me out, I was outside. I was outside the body, and I was above, and I was watching everybody in hysteria while I was very calm. And I'd seen all these amazing colors. I mean, if the trees were green, there were, there were the color green that I saw out of body was just something... I can never explain on earth. It's just something that... So I had that experience. And I remember when the water came out, it felt like a, a, an earthquake coming back. I also remember that I didn't really want to come back because there was a feeling of ecstasy. And uh, I told my parents what had happened and they just looked at each other and didn't say anything. So I thought that this is something everybody experiences, like it's part of everybody's life. And it happens to me again and again over the years. 
even now, but I don't have to go through anything tragic, God forbid, for it to happen. Right. Um, it takes me by surprise. I don't plan it. And then years later, there was an incident where I was, we went to London when I was 10 and a half. We, we came back to Israel for a year and a half, then we went to London. And then I was about 17 and a group of us went to a party in Kensington. And it happened to me again where I got out and came back to tell my friend next to me, just so you know, Geraldine is wearing the same dress as you. So I saw this person, Geraldine, at the party wearing the same dress. And she said to me, how do you know? And the way she said it to me made me realize that maybe not everyone is experiencing this after all. Right. And I clammed up. I, it didn't happen to me for five years after that. I was so scared because I thought this was something that was natural. And then maybe it was supernatural. But what I didn't have was the argument. Because I'd been through these experiences and because I've been channeling all my life and I've had this intelligent, it's a, like a download and it's simultaneous. It's like the phone rings and you know who's on the other end. It's just that. And because I've had that, I've never had the argument with myself. And I was always very careful who to tell because some people could say, oh, she's cuckoo. Yeah. And, you know, and some people would feel excited by it, may not have experienced it themselves, but have an affinity to it. Um, so I was always treading on eggshells around me. But I that that in answer to your question, I was lucky because it came to me. So I never had the argument. But I do have to say it wasn't easy. I've had a very tough life. And I feel today after communicating with a lot of light workers that in order to teach, a lot of us are going through or have gone through really difficult roller coasters in order to come out the other end and say, oh, I know how to come out the other end. Now I can teach it to you, um, you know. So I don't know if you resonate with that. But, yeah. Um, so there is um, something, yeah, choice. I do ask that question often uh, about making that choice to be here in a human body to go through all these experiences to learn how to teach or how to love. Is that something that it's really true? Okay, so that's, that's a great question. <laughs> because I did have a down-to-earth life in adjacent to that. I was married, I had two children, divorced, and I married again. And I had an amazing career in the music uh, field. I, I was the head of EMI Israel, and I still uh, have a day job with uh, what's called the, commu the Creative Community for Peace. Uh, and I'm also, uh, I also paint, and I write books, and I teach, and blah, blah, blah. So... I, I was sort of floating between uh, the earthly realm and the spiritual realm, realm at the same time. But what I felt was that I was being pushed. So if you're asking about choice, I think we don't have that choice. And I think that what I can, I can explain it much better if I tell you that my brother, who's a professor of genetics, and I'm a spiritual worker, when I was young, I could not stand numbers. I would hear numbers, I would look at numbers, and my head would go around in circles. But my brother ended up with a, a degree at Cambridge because of mathematics. And I thought that those two children today would be put on Retalin. And I say to people, why don't you wait for to discover what God intended for that child? And I know today I wasn't intended to use mathematics, obviously, and he was. And um, so I, to, when, you, when you talk about choice, I didn't have that choice. I was born into uh, an expression of God. I think God uh, has created each and every one of us to express himself through us. And if we just allow it and we flow with it, then we come out the other end and realize that it's always for our best. I mean, I started to draw in a certain way about four years ago. I doodle and I'm selling them and I, it would never have occurred to me. And when I sit down and do it, I don't think. It's a one time. I don't rub it out. I don't correct. It's a one time. That's not me. That's something coming through me, expressing itself. And I have a sentence that says, we've come here to express and not to impress. The ego wants to impress. But when I express, I realize that it was for my better good, that that choice was made for me. If, if I was in the dilemma, 
I wouldn't be here talking to you. I'd probably be very frustrated. <laughs> you know. Yes. So as that's concerned, I think the only choice we have, the free choice we have, and we've each been given this, is how do we want to feel? I think that's the only authority I have. I can be washing the dishes with a frown or a smile. I'm still washing the dishes. My internal feeling about me at any given moment is the only choice I have. But that also changes everything because it becomes a frequency that can change the world um, for me and my surroundings. So I think that's the only choice is whether to be with God or to be with the ego mind. If I'm with the ego mind, I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be struggling. But if I'm with God, I'm going to be flowing. And I always say that whatever's meant for me, it's going to come to me whether I struggle for it or whether I don't. So why not just enjoy the ride? <laughs> <laughs> True. I agree a thousand percent. Yeah. So it goes back to trust, doesn't it, Lani? It's surrender, letting go and trusting God. Yes. You know, I even think that it's beyond even trusting. It has the, It's a knowingness. It has to be a no question thing. If we go to Abraham, he was the prototype because he didn't even have that question. If we sat with him in our lounge and said to him, Abraham, were you crazy? You were going to give your son? What's the matter with you? <laughs> he said, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, if God asked me, I did it. I knew that God wanted the best for me, so I don't even have that question. <laughs> so it's not even, wow, going beyond trust. How fascinating. Yeah, It's living it. Yes, it's living it. So the title of your book, Be and It Will Be, The Simple yeah. and Easy Way to Find Peace Within. What is your own definition for peace and serenity and how are they different from being calm? Mm, that's a good one. Because <laughs> it, it brings up the answers that I'm listening to as well. Okay, so first of all, I think that's the only thing we ever want. Whatever we want in life is to feel that place inside that you are at peace, that you're not in the struggle. And what people don't get is that every time they want something or to buy something, at the end of the story of what they want is the feeling that they want to acquire. And that feeling is that space where you feel, oh, I'm going to feel calm. Now. If I have that new car, oh, then I'll be calm. Yeah. And if I have that new house, then I'll be calm. But what if... What if I can have that feeling right now? Right. And because I can, because all feelings are within me. Nobody puts a feeling into me. They take a feeling out of me. So there's a trigger that takes a feeling that's been there in the first place. What if I can do that now? And the only way I can get there immediately is if I surrender to the moment. Because whatever is happening is happening, and whatever is not happening is also happening. Right. <laughs> so, so if I allow myself to be in acceptance of what is happening right now, I have done the magic trick of having that serenity within me. It's in my whole being, my whole body, and that's a frequency that starts changing my surroundings. In that moment... I've let it go. So one of the things that we have, we have a personal contract when I teach. It's called a personal contract. And one of the, the sentences there is, um, I let go of everything I think I know in order to discover what I don't know. So I'm actually having to relinquish the ego and the mind with, with who thinks it knows based on something that it saw. And then I am now in peace because the not knowing, which is the biggest paradox, the not knowing and allowing myself not to know, but just be an acceptance, that gives me that space. So if you're asking about calm or peace, it's just synonyms for the same thing. I think that serenity within or peace within includes the whole body, every single cell in your body. And I think that's what we want at the end of the day. What if I can have that prior to the thing I want? I then become the flower and not the bee. I don't have to run after anything. It comes to me. I choose that every time. And I and it the the dilemma is in the body because it's the body that you that feels the struggle. Yeah. The minute I have a fist, I open my fist because I know <laughs> something is going on there. And I just open my fist and I'm free. 
Um, the other thing to, to get there is I have a motto. I'm usually there. Sometimes I, I fall down on that. But my motto is to say, Valeria, I love you and you don't have to love me back. Mm. And in that moment, I am free and you're free <laughs> and I can carry on loving. Nobody's going to tell me who to love and how to love. <laughs> right. But I don't have to have the need from you because then we're both in jail. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know? yeah. so. Would you say it is possible, Ronnie, to love unconditionally in a, as a human? I can say that mostly I've arrived There are, I had gone through a year with this person that I realized that I needed to do work on that. And today, thank God, I'm able to love the person unconditionally for them. And I always give the example of Yoko Ono. I love that woman because when she got married to John and they went to New York, he had his eye on their secretary, Lucy. And she said to him, you know what? Go and sow your wild oats. If I'm still here... We'll be, you'll, you know, this will be love. And he did, he went. But when he came back, he came back to the woman who loved him for him. And then he wrote the song Woman, which is the gratitude song about a woman. Um, so I thought and I looked at her and I said, oh, my God, she's got guts because she wasn't into the lust part of it. She was really loving him for him and his needs. And that's when he came back. And that's the difficult one. Because we have a body and we have got cravings, we get sometimes confused, especially when it comes to romantic situations and we're involved with the body and we're involved with uh, needy, neediness and needing people to give approval to us that, that we're worth something. And that's when we get mixed up. Um, so to get to the other realm, you have to go through that space and say, Do I want to be in the struggle of it? Because does that feel good? I don't want to be in that struggle. Feelings and emotions, are they the same to you? Um, I've reduced them to energy fields in the body because what feels? The conscious mind is the body and the feelings literally exist in the body. They can be around the throat area, the chest area, the, the, the stomach, um, but they're an energy field. And uh, when you peel off the names like sad and angry and whatever, that's what you're left with. And if you allow yourself just to feel that energy field, which is a magnetic field, by the way, people say the chicken and the egg, what comes first, the thought, the situation or the feeling? Right. If the feeling wasn't there in the first place, then the thought or situation couldn't attach it or be magnet, um, how do we say, magnet, magnetic to that space. So it's, that's what's pulling it. So I've got to cleanse that. The way to cleanse that is actually very simple. I have to give myself permission to sit in it and let it, and let it just disappear because anything that you notice will dissipate, but everything that you want to negate or you want to resist is going to keep knocking on your door. Okay. So it's always about acceptance. And if we're talking about feelings, human beings feel love under fear and Then when you're feeling it under fear, you cannot be the love of God because there's no fear on the love of God, as you said, this trust. So if it's under fear, it's about me. So that means, say a partner wants to leave and you'll say, oh, please don't leave. I love you. But that person wants to leave. So do you really love that person? Or do you love that person out of fear of what they're going to do to you when they leave? And where people get mixed up is that in departures, whether it's through death or through separation, you are never, ever separating from the other person. You're separating from the person you were in the presence of that person. It was who you were in that presence. You see, and, and that's the space to say, okay, if this person is being taken from me, that means that God wants me to move on. He wants me to recognize me as another person, as another level in me. And I have to say goodbye to the person I knew I was in that relationship. So there has to be a self-forgiveness and there has to be a forgiving of the other side. And there has to be a relinquishing of the need for the other person to be the one that we thought he was. So, for example, if I think somebody is a miser, every time I'm going to meet that person, I'm going to cringe and I'm going to say, oh, God, I've got to meet that miser again. Or if that person would buy me flowers, I would have to justify what I think of that person. And I'm going to say, oh, 
probably found them on the floor. So we're both in jail now. And this, this comes on a higher level where the souls come down to earth. They make a contract between them to play roles in each other's lives. So if, I, if I'm feeling that congestion through somebody because it's condensing me, I want to release that person from the role he took in my life. I want to release me from it. So I've got to do some work and find out why did that person come into my life? He's come to mirror me. If I think of somebody as a miser, I've got to find that miser in me. And it doesn't have to be about money. It could be about love. You know, if I find it and I relinquish my need to have that within me, I've just let him go. He doesn't have to be that person anymore in my life. I can give you an example if we have my second husband was very, very cynical and sarcastic. But really, it was it, I couldn't take a word out of my mouth without having him say something cynical. And I kept saying, but I do the work. I don't understand. You know, I don't understand. Why is it in my life? When we divorced, there was something really minimal that happened. I was watching a TV program. Somebody said something and I moved my hand and said, yes, yeah, sure. And then I thought, oh, there it's been hiding. Now, Valeria, I'm a poker face. You wouldn't know the conversations I have inside. <laughs> yeah. You think, oh, she's so angelic. And then somebody could walk into a restaurant with a mini skirt with fat legs and I would go, what the fuck was she thinking? <laughs> yes. You wouldn't know that. But then I realized that if I did not get rid of that within me, I'm going to keep meeting that in my external world. Mm. And I let it go. And the amazing thing was that my ex-husband called me a week later after I did this work and we had the most amicable conversation. He said to me, there's something very strange in our conversation. <laughs> he couldn't even understand what was happening to himself, but I didn't have the need for him to be sarcastic anymore, you see, because I'd let it go in me. So everything's a mirror of me. So if somebody's annoying me, it's because of me. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me for a moment about the method that you have created, the be and will be. Be and it will be. So, first of all, I didn't create anything. It came through me. <laughs> right. Um, if I take credit for it, then my ego is going to get involved again. <laughs> so, the method is three-part. It's a cleansing method. And what we do is that um, we first, the four, four sections, it's like a 12-week 12, 12 course, and the first four is we deal with what we were just talking about with the traits. So we do it with our parents and we do it with whoever we feel that we're carrying within us that is not making us feel good. What we do is we break down the person by, we, we use the person's traits, we look at the good ones, we look at the negative ones, and we find ourselves in there. And usually with the negative ones, it's one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> you know, you call something manipulative, you'll say, oh, yeah, I can be manipulative. So we find that. In the, in the positive ones, it's very interesting because if I'm admiring a trait in you, there is a self-criticism about me that I'm not as good as you on that trait. Mm. Okay. And I'm going to want to find that out. And there are going to be certain traits that we're going to discover that we don't even need, like um, a hard worker. Why do I have to be a hard worker? My, my, my uh, spirit is going to impulse me to tell me where I need to go. My body's going to tell me when I need to go to the loo. Why do I have to be a hard worker? I want to be the flower and not the bee. So there's going to be things that within that we're going to understand what we're going to relinquish, what we want to keep. And because I channel, Ronnie isn't doing any work. <laughs> I'm actually guiding. I'm being guided to guide the person there. So that's the first four. And then the, the other four is going to be what we call energy bubbles. Energy bubbles are literally matrix memories that live within ourselves that are automatic. So if I would say to you now, what is the thing you'd say to me uh, Valeria, what do you really never want to let go of? If I say to you, what is that thing that you'll say to me? Don't take this away from me. I really need it. What would that be? Mm. Oh, you're asking me the question now. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> mm, wow. That's, uh, I didn't expect that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would say the the uh, the choice to be kind. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So 
the question would be, so we would, uh, what I would do is I would ask the person and, and they would fly things at me and it could be things like that and it could be, oh, don't take away my telephone, I can't live without my telephone and blah, 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 etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what we would do is I would say, where is life? And we would find out that life is this very moment that I'm in, right this moment, sitting on the chair. This is where my life is. And then we'd start obliterating all the things and say, do you need your phone right now? Do you need your food right now? Do you need to be kind right now? Do you need your clothes right now? And then slowly you find that whatever you need for this moment whether it's the computer or whatever, you will always have exactly what you need in the moment. Not more and not less. But the ego will always say, no, uh, that's not enough for me. I want some more of that and I've got to have more of that while you're in the now, which is where life is. So what we do is we peel off the matrix automate, which keeps being thrown at us all the time so that we can really be still and appreciate this moment, which is where my life is. Um, and that, that we work on that quite a bit. And then the last one, which we also take care of during the process, is what you call the emotions. Uh, we call the energy fields. And we really delve into that. And we've got exercises to show us and pinpoint that. So if somebody, say, is sitting opposite me and now throwing horrid words at me and cursing me or whatever, if I feel hurt, it means it's my work because that person has hit on something that I have within me. And I will take a moment, I don't even have to say to the other person, but as if to say, just give me a moment, I need to cleanse this feeling right now. (laughs) And then I could realize that if that person is doing what he's doing, he's actually the one in trouble because nobody behaves like that. And then I can actually give attention to that person because I dealt with me. So if it doesn't hurt me, then it's not mine. And I will never stop somebody. I will always say to him, that's fine in, within myself. That's fine if that's what you need to be doing right now. Until that person resonates with himself and stops because there's nobody there to counteract him. So we work a lot on that. And um, we fix the relationships around us. So when we go back to the first section of the traits, it results in making amends. After we've realized that the person that we have trouble with is actually me, I can then go to that person and release him and we'll have something that says, I'm going through a process with myself and I want to say sorry for the way I have been conceiving you. I'm taking responsibility, literally, for the way I have conceived that person and built him in me. And I'll say, I'm sorry for the way I've been conceiving you, and I would like to find a new way between us. And what I will do is I will read to that person only the good traits about that person, because usually people don't hear that from us. They're always hearing the downside. See, And in that, we're building a new prototype within us. So we start seeing that person in a different light. And that person in our presence begins to see himself or herself in a different light. So we are changing the way people see and perceive us and the other way around by taking responsibility within us because everything is our own perception about the world. I always say we're not in the world. The world is in us. Mm, right. and that's where the magic is. Uh, so that's basically the process. I love your work. Thank you. Thank you, darling. It's a gift yeah, to all of us. Wow. It's changed my life, I promise you, for me personally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much sounds like you call it transformative yeah, mm. method, and it is it is transformational. I can feel it. Yeah. I have so many questions here, but <laughs> lately I have had an experience that kind of um, I have been asking my higher self what it, why is that, but I didn't get an answer yet. So I'll ask you. <laughs> I have been around. Two people, let's say, yeah, two. Um, I just moved recently to a different place and um, I've been around family members. And every time we meet, not, perhaps not every time, but often enough, <laughs> I notice that in the end when they leave, especially if they are in my house, then I have this very strong headache. Ooh. It's really, really powerful. And, and then I manage to ease because then I go meditate and then it goes away. But it's really powerful. Really, it's a lot, there's a lot of pain there. And I'm wondering, why is that happening? 
Mm. Well, the simple word, would, the simple term would be that they're sucking your energy. Right. <laughs> but if we don't want to blame them right. and we right. want to take responsibility, yeah. then there is something that you're not accepting about them mm. and therefore your body's in a struggle. So, and, and this, is, this is the thing. It's like if I'm holding a glass now and I'm saying, oh, I wish this glass was a bottle, I'm going to struggle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> true. <laughs> people are who they are, whether I like it or don't like it. And I always say it's very difficult because we think that wouldn't it be easy if I could sit here and I could go around saying, oh, I'm sorry, you're so tall. Could you just come down a bit make me feel much better? <laughs> yes. Just screech your voice because that would make me feel much better. But then realize we can't do that. So I have to go within. <laughs> And I have to say, why is that showing up in me? What is it I do not like about them that I'm not willing to look inside me and say, oh, where do I do that? Because the second I recognize where I do it, and it doesn't have to be at the same level, that is when I am taking responsibility because I don't like me doing something that I'm criticizing somebody else. I don't like that person. And, and you said, would it be nice just to be kind? So first I've got to be kind to me. Mm. If kind to me, how can I know to be kind to somebody else? And being kind to me is not an ego thing. It means that I have to love me with the headache and without the headache. I have to love me in any circumstance that I find myself. It's like a little child having a tantrum on the floor. You're not going to stop loving your child just because he's having a tantrum, right? But we do stop loving ourselves when we have one because we think we've got to be perfect but we don't realize that we're perfect in our imperfection. So the first thing that has to resonate is that it's okay for you to feel what you're feeling, number one, because you are anyway. And if you're resisting those feelings, you get the headache. Mm, <laughs> so right. the first place to go is to first say, yeah, I am feeling that feeling. And I can give you a perfect example. My mother died at 42. There was an incident, which I won't go into detail now because who knows if my brother and sister might listen to this one day. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm very guilty about that because I always thought I could save her. I didn't know then what I knew now, what I know now. But years and years I carried that guilt with me and I thought I was a bad person until there was a moment that I said, hang on a second, but you are, why are you denying you feeling the guilt? You are feeling guilty. Why don't you just sit for a moment and feel the guilt? Because yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. And the minute I felt the guilt and gave myself permission, it was all gone. It just disappeared on me. So the first place to go to is first they leave the house, first sit with yourself and allow yourself to feel the feelings that you're feeling anyway <laughs> because they're in you. Yeah. And you can go and say, okay, what is it about them that I don't like? And try and find it within you. And then when you found it in you, you're never going to do that again. And they won't have a need to be that way mm. <clears throat> because you've dissolved that. Yeah. And even if they are, it won't affect you. You won't be mm. seen. Right. Mm. So perhaps I'm trying to be kind to them by mm. seeing something I don't like and be kind in any way. But then I'm being unkind to myself. Right. Exactly. Because that's and still in me. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're forcing it to be kind yeah. I have to love me just a little bit more than I love somebody else because then I become love. And when I become love, I can love because then I'm not occupied with poor little me. You see, the ego lives in two extensions. It either wants to impress, and if it hasn't managed to do that, it's going to feel guilty. And either way, it's going to get its attention. <laughs> you see. So True. what we've wow. got to do is be honest enough. I always say if, we're, if I'm willing to look at my darkness, I've just switched on the light. Do you believe or think that one day we'll become free of all these darkness? And That's an interesting thing. I say we're never done, but yeah. it gets shorter and shorter, mm -hmm. which means that if I could be in a loop for about a week, it's now two seconds. It's not that life's going to surpass, surpass me. I'm going to keep meeting the challenges. But once I know the system and it's already within me, It won't last two, more than two seconds. So I have a system that says that if God created the problem, he also created the solution. True, so true. I take the problem and I give it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only thing I'm left with 
is how I'm feeling. That's the only thing I deal with. Mm. See, okay. So when you get accustomed to it, it becomes quicker and quicker and quicker. It's taking too long. <laughs> so, But that's not because of you. That's because the ego does not want it to let go. It yes. doesn't want to let go of it. We have to relinquish the whole ego and then it disappears. But I think um, the first place to really go is to make the relationship with God the primal relationship in our lives. I have to, that has to come before my children and before anyone else. Because when I have that, and I'm able to give the problem to him to solve and take responsibility for my own state of being, in that moment, I become the better person, the kind person, and, and the person everybody wants to be around, because I'm now free. I don't have the problem, mm. you see. So uh, it has to start with a relationship with God first. I have to make that a priority. So for you, when you say God, yeah, what is that exactly? What and who is God? Well, like you just said, it doesn't have a name, but right. because we have, we have to word it for some reason, and then it becomes condensed. But for me, God is the power of the universe. It's the origin of all of us. It's in everyone. It's in, in whatever we say. And you know what? The One of the names of God in the Bible, and I'm not religious and I don't sell religion. I have to say that very clearly. Yeah. But I use sometimes I use the Bible stories. Um, to discover what's underneath, the message underneath. So when Moses goes to the burning bush and he says to God, I don't understand why you chose me. I stutter. I'm old. You're giving me this huge pro project to take the Israelites out. I don't know why you would choose me. And God says to him, uh, can you just rest for a minute? Because I invented the mouth and I've arranged that your brother Aaron will be your mouth. He'll be the doing, he'll do the talking and you will be God to him, which means you're going to be my vessel. I'm going to give you messages that you're going to pass on to him. And then he said to him, but you're telling me to go to Pharaoh, who's already doing Maggie stuff. He's already turning a stick into a snake. So what can I prove to him? And then God says, Ah, well, if you tell him, and the Hebrew word for this is that is one of God's names. If you tell him sent you, he'll know that I'm the one that's doing it through him. Mm. So there is nobody above me and nobody below him. Now, translated into English, is I am that I am. So we're going back to that thing that we are not the world in the world. The world is in us. So when you're looking at I don't know. Do you have an ornament next to you? Do you have a Do you have a glass or something next to you right now? Yes. Yeah. I have a pen. I have. Yeah. I have a, a not a glass. This is plastic, really, with water and lots Brilliant. of other things. Brilliant. So look at the look at the cup with the water for a minute. You're the one experiencing that cup within you. Mm. Yeah. So you are the cup because it has no existence without your experience of it. True. So you are that you are. And then you become one, you see. So that oneness, which we call God or the energy or the source, and you're right, it can't be named, but it, it's a feeling. That's why we can't go to the mind. The mind will never fathom it. It cannot understand. The mind is going to keep answering and keep asking another question. It's like my little grandchild says, but why, but why, but why? And there's no end to the why. True. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's a feeling. You, you, it's something that you feel within you that you uh, don't have a question about because there's an energy field with, within you, which you call source. I call it source sometimes as well. But in that moment that you're so serene, you know that you have joined that source. You know that you are that source. When nothing matters, you don't care. And that's the when we said, I love you and you don't have love me back and you don't have to love me back. That's the not bothering with that need. With well, the minute you're not needy and the minute you're just in that space of loving and calmness on being here and now, you are aligned. In that moment, you are God. You know, you are the experience of you experiencing God through you. Um, that's my version of it. <laughs> uh, I love your version and everything else in between that you say. Um, wow. Yeah. Thank you, Rami, for, yeah, for being the vessel of this uh, timeless, wordless wisdom. 
Thank you. Thank you. And thank you so much for finding me and, and allowing the messages of so many mentors and yourself to go out into the world and really raise consciousness because that's so what we need right now. And, and more of us, the more we do this, the more we can help these people are so in the mind in these times and are so fearful and they don't know what's happening and they're coming and they're going. And to be stable in that space of God you know, if we take Jesus, who was on the cross, what does he say to God while he's bleeding? He says, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. He's right. saying they're in the mind ego. Forgive them. They're, they're, they're on this automat. It's not their fault. So, yes. Yeah, so thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I do have a few more questions for you, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Mm. Wow, I don't even have my book with me right now. <laughs> do you like to, do you have it with you? Can you randomly open it? Let's just randomly. Oh, just read this one. It okay. says, um, if there is something you wish to attract to you, then after setting free the present moment, be in the state you wish for yourself. And this state will deliver to you another present moment based on this state of being. Ah, I love that. Present moment is a present moment. Right, present. Yeah, I was wondering why you um, separated. Yeah, yeah, that's how. Okay, so thank you for clarifying that. And it's based on your state of being. So, for example, because we've said before that all feelings and emotions are already within us, so if you want something, you go to the end of the story of the thing you want and feel the feeling, because you can, because we have an, a proactive imagination. And then in the now, you're feeling that feeling in the now. Now your body starts vibrating that just because it can. Okay. So you don't go through the whole story. Say, if that, tell me something that you would really want in the future. What would that be? meet all my guests in person. (laughs) Let's not go through the how and the the working it out and sending the emails and all that because that has a different vibration. Sometimes it's heavy, sometimes, you know. Let's go to the end of that. How would you feel once you've met everyone? Uh, Say you could have a convention and all your guests... Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) Well, the body wants to cry. That's interesting, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it's an ecstasy. Uh, That's the feeling. And yeah. you can feel it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you're already bringing it to you just by feeling it because that's the frequency. And, and, you know, you can sit in Montreal now and you can affect somebody in Hawaii. You don't even have to know it, but that frequency is catching somebody on the same frequency. That's how, how magic, we, that's the magic wand we have within us. We don't have to wait for something to happen. Now, what's happened in the meantime, you've already had the feeling that you wanted over there. Yeah, right, right. I would be crying for sure. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. No doubt if I met you in person, I would just look at you and then open my arms and then just (laughs) smile and start crying. (laughs) So I'm feeling this now. That's, yeah, exactly. I would, that's how I would feel. Right, right. How interesting. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, you're actually bringing forth the present moment because mm-hmm. you're always only experiencing you in the now. So if you're telling an old past story, your body is feeling it in the now. And that's when Einstein said that people do the same thing again and again, expect a different result. If I'm going to keep telling the same story from the past and I'm going to be surprised, why does it keep happening to me? Because <laughs> I keep getting it. <laughs> true, yeah, so true. And this is how... Wow, that's the ultimate practice, isn't it? Just to be, yeah, one with the feelings, the embodiment of yeah. of everything. Yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank yeah. you again. Wow, you, um, yeah. I've been reflecting, uh, reflective. Uh, the emotions of, I mean, a lot of emotions and feelings uh, while talking to you. <laughs> that's so mm-hmm. amazing. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Allow them to be, then they don't. They don't have a hold on you. Thank you again. Thank you, darling. Thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, the few questions I have for you, those two last questions, uh, the ending. Yeah. If you knew you would lose the body soon, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? 
I've known this answer all my life. <laughs> the answer is no, because the spirit wanted me to go through this journey exactly the way it is. And if I argue with it, I'm arguing with spirit. I don't know why spirit put, put me through this, but only after something happens, I get the answer. And we are always in discovery. And there's nothing I would do differently. I'm grateful for every single rock I, I yeah. went after and everything because I wouldn't be sitting here with you today without those teachers. And, and you know what? It's like if you imagine yourself standing on, on a stage and in front of you, you've got all the cheerleaders in your life on, in two different rows. Some of them are clapping their hands. Some of them are sticking a knife in you. And some are just putting a, a leg so you fall down. And you run to the end and you can bow down to every single one and say, thank you for being my teacher, because they all chose a role in your life to show you who you are. And, and that's tremendous. You know, and I look at some people who have taken on very, very difficult roles. My father was one of them because he had to be somebody that people hated. Right. <laughs> yeah. To be, you know. Yeah. Uh, at some point, he said, "I think it's time you released me, and I released you." And and that was a moment that didn't resonate at the time because I didn't know then what I know now. But I've been able to release him and say thank you. If it wasn't for him, I again, I wouldn't be the person sitting here opposite you right now. Wow. You know? So I wouldn't change anything. Interesting. I never heard it that way before. You just said that. Yeah, for them, they took a role that is uh, being not liked. And not accepted by others. So that must be a very challenging role to play. Very, very heavy. You know, my conclusion with my father was that he was walking around with the knowledge that his daughter can't stand him. That must be horrible for a parent. Yeah. You know? and, and I wanted so much to release him from that. And I had, unfortunately did it only after he passed away because uh, that's when I woke up. Um, but it's the energy field that you're releasing and you're helping yourself and the other person by acknowledging that this was a conscious contract between the souls and, and, and spirit. And this is nothing to, there was nothing we could have done about it. We had to go through the journey. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Um, the first thing is that I am. Right now, the only thing I know for sure right now is I'm sitting here talking to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one thing. The other real thing that I know for sure is I know God. And I know him in a way today that I'm not guessing anymore and I'm not wondering anymore. And he's everywhere for me. And that's something I'm so grateful for. The other thing I know for sure is that I'm going to leave Earth at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know the date, but he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love the way you say that. Yeah, I know God now that you believe God. Um, I love it. Yeah. Today it's beyond belief for me. It used to be a challenge where I would say, do I believe in it? But to me today, you can't shake me from that. Not, at least not right now. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, I love your presence. <laughs> to say, and and yeah. I don't know if you want to edit it or not, but I think it's very important to say today, um, you know, like you have a date of birth. You didn't know about it. Your parents did. <laughs> yeah. But that date of birth was written. So the date of passing away is also written. Okay. Um, I could I could go tomorrow. I could go in six, I don't know, in six years time, whatever. I don't know that date. So, and I'm going to be very brave to say this because everybody's saying people are dying of this and people are dying. We don't die of anything except that we have to leave on that date. Now, if I knew that, my choices would be different because people don't die of cancer on that date. They die because they had to leave on that date. If I knew that, then on the way to that date, I would be making different choices. So there's, there's a big argument between the earthly understanding and the spiritual understanding, you yeah. see. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that resonated, but I just felt I needed to say that in these times because people do have a choice. And the, the other thing is that I know this for sure, for me, if you're born into this life, say, without a leg, then you're without a leg. But anything else that comes in in life while you're living has a cycle. It comes in and it has to leave. It doesn't stay. 
But if you focus on it, it's going to stay because that's what it's going to be. So the, the motto is that whatever is happening that you don't like, you move away from it. Wherever there's a problem, you move away from it. Whether it's an illness, whether it's a problem, you move away from it. You don't interfere. The body will adjust itself. It knows what to do. It doesn't need me to keep focusing on it, on interfering. So there's a lot of jargon going on in the medical profession, like the word remission. There's nothing there right now. Why do you say remission? They don't. Why would you say there's a 20% chance it'll come back? Why do you feed the mind with that information? Because yeah. if it's not there, it's not there. You know, so we've got to be very careful with our choice of words. And I think we have to re-educate people in the medical profession. I think the medical profession is required for traumas, but for things like viruses and things that come in and out, I think the body knows exactly what to do. It's it's genius. So I, I don't know. I just have to say that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Yes. Yeah. With these assumptions, right, in the feeding the mind, like you said. Yeah. So what you said about the um, uh, leaving the body when we are meant to, that's an interesting uh, perspective that I have been asking questions to lots of people that I interview. And just recently somebody said, oh, yes, but we do have exit points. And that is not just one. It happens many times in our lifetime. And we make that choice. If we are conscious enough, we can make the choice to stay. Does it resonate with you somehow? Not like that. I'll tell you what I'm, I, I get from, from that is that, you know, we, when we talk about reincarnation, the soul reincarnates all the time while, while it's within the body. What is reincarnation? Reincarnation is the level of, the, of consciousness. So obviously we're not going to stay the same we were when we came in. Every time there's a resonance of, of a new consciousness, you have just reincarnated the soul. You've brought it to another level. Okay. And then at the end, you get to a point where the surroundings can't bring you consciously to the next level. There's nothing more to mirror. That's when you have to leave. I think that that, I believe that that is set in stone. I think that on the way there, the choices we have to change our circumstances are in our embodied in our state of being, the experience we have, the experiences that we choose for ourselves within, that's embodied. And that means that that's a choice. I can choose to be happy. I can choose to be sad. I do think that just like the, you, you're born on a certain date, you're also leave, going to leave on a certain date. I think that the surrender to God has to be absolute. It has to be in a space where God knows something that I don't. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to deal in the date of death. I don't have to worry about that. My grandfather passed away at 80, 86. Yeah. Do you know what he did? He ordered a cup of coffee and dropped his head. And my grandmother said to him, why, don't, why aren't you answering me? <laughs> but he was already gone. He said to me before that, he said, as long as I'm in a body, God wants me to live. Most people are keeping alive instead of living life. They're, they're all here, and that's what the illness is. They're afraid. They're this. Just live life because there's going to be a point that you're going to leave, and it doesn't matter because you're going to leave and you're going to carry on because spirit does. Spirit is there forever. I disagree with that, but you know what? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. It has to be proved at the end. <laughs> yeah, or may, or may not, right? And it's okay yeah. to we embrace the mystery of life too. Yeah. And also, I think it helps to understand that because people will say, well, then how do you explain that a three-year-old passed away? Yeah. I can't explain it. It's beyond mind. Right. How can I explain it? Right. I don't want to deal with anything that I can't explain. It's just like people talk about extraterrestrials and they channel reptiles and they channel this and, and, and they go to all these graveyards to get. Mm-hmm. And right. I say, wait a second. <laughs> if I have a direct line to God. Why do I have to go through a graveyard or why do I have to go through a reptile? Because God is above that as well. And if there's no extraterrestrial sitting right now here, why would I need to discuss him? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm here to create and live a lovely, beautiful life. That's what I'm here for. Any other distractions, not for me. And and it's not that I'm saying there isn't or there is. It just doesn't matter if it's not sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, how light you are, too, playful <laughs> with these things. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Wonderful. I just say that whatever we don't know, we don't know. So don't even bother with it. You know, too much information is is makes life very, um, you know, cumbersome. That's the less true. I know, the better I am. Thank you so much again, Ronnie. And I love, love your work, what are you doing and how you're doing, the way you express that message from the beyond. And uh, it's a lot of fun too. You're a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> it's great. Your presence is just uh, illuminating. Thank you. And <laughs> before we go today, um, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? So first of all, there's the website, and then uh, I'm, most of my messaging is either on Instagram or Facebook because that way I have direct access to people and they can ask questions and so on, and I put videos on. I, I must admit I haven't been too good on the YouTube channel. I have one, uh, and I do do videos. I should be probably doing them a bit more uh, once a week at least, so I'm going to try and do that. Um, but yes, people can subscribe and they can ask questions and absolutely. And I do Skype work all over the world. So Corona doesn't stop us. <laughs> right, <laughs> I have right, students right. everywhere, France, Miami, you know, we, we work out the hours. And yeah, and thank God for technology around these times because <laughs> I wouldn't be able to see my grandchildren in, in Times Square. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have those links on your podcast profile too. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Yes, thank you so much. You're such a light, really. <laughs> I love your accent. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ronnie Hatchwell and her work, please visit beanditwillbe.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.